Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. Welcome to another segment, another letter in the art of living. The revolution that the Rebbe introduced into Jewish life in our century was the responsibility that every Jew should feel for every other Jew. The Rebbe made us all responsible. The Rebbe made us all teachers, leaders. The Rebbe made us all feel connected to our people and and the need to take responsibility to somehow help others spiritually and materially. This has become, I guess, the universal creed in our times. Outreach. Bringing whatever contribution we have, whatever it is that we can offer, bringing it to as many people as possible. Here is a characteristic uh, statement in a letter written to a man in Nashville, Tennessee, In 1971, the letter is as follows. And this is, by the way, from the book called The Letter and the Spirit, a collection of letters written in English by the Rebbe. And the letter is, I am in receipt of your letter. I want to refer particularly to the concluding part of your letter in which you write that you do not feel comfortable inasmuch as you are not content with your level of Yiddishkeit and therefore hesitate with regard to helping others. The answer to this is, first of all, that the person who needs your help cannot wait until you get around to considering yourself on the proper level to influence others. Hence, while endeavoring to rise to a higher level of Yiddishkeit, you must at the same time do all you can to help others by guiding them onto the path of truth in life, which is taught in the Torah, the true guide of life. Secondly, and this point is no less essential, none of us can fathom the ways of divine providence. It's quite possible that the opportunities to help others that come your way may in themselves be a means of helping yourself by way of stimulating your desire to advance personally so as to be more worthy and more capable of helping others. By helping others to cope with their yetzer, with their evil inclination, one becomes more determined to win the battle with one's own evil inclination in one's daily experience, as well as becoming aware of deficiencies which need to be rectified giving rise to that very feeling of discomfort which you allude to in your letter, but which should be seen as an indication that the tempo of one's own progress should be stepped up. Actually, it is quite natural for every Jew to feel dissatisfied with their level of Yiddishkeit, however satisfactory it may be, since as all matters of goodness and holiness should always be on the ascendant and there is always room for improvement, 
in matters of Torah and mitzvahs, which are infinite since they derive from the infinite. And when a person reflects on the need for self-improvement and is determined to do something about it, he immediately receives aid from on high in various ways, one of which could well be that the new opportunities appear to help others, as indicated above. I trust there is no need to elaborate to you further on this subject. When we look at the letter, the first thing that hits us is the Rebbe is telling someone who doesn't feel qualified, who doesn't feel uh, worthy of being a teacher to others and of telling others to perform mitzvahs or study Torah because he feels that he himself is not performing mitzvahs the way he should or studying Torah the way he should. It reminds me of a young man who uh, was on a campus in the, in the East Coast. And when he came to visit the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, when you get back to campus, encourage your friends to put on tefillin. And the young man said, Rebbe, I don't put on tefillin myself. And the Rebbe's answer was, that's not their fault. Why should they suffer because of your lack of a mitzvah? The Rebbe's saying here in the letter is, there are people who need to learn, they need to know, they need the guidance. If you know what is right and proper, even if you haven't overcome your own resistances, but you know and therefore can teach, it would be wrong of you to withhold that information while hoping or working at raising yourself to a higher level. That would be like refusing to give a piece of bread to a poor man because bread is not really a gourmet meal. And so until you can prepare a gourmet meal, you won't feed the hungry man anything at all. There's another point here in the letter. How does a person grow personally? How does one improve oneself? Now, it would seem at first glance that self-improvement is something you do in private, locked away from others, without distraction, you work on self-improvement. The Rebbe is suggesting here in the letter that that may not be the case at all. Self-improvement can and often does come through others. We know that a teacher understands the subject better once he has taught the subject than he would have understood it if he had studied it only by himself. Now, thinking out loud can make the thoughts clearer. Teaching someone makes your own understanding clearer, deeper, broader. Seeing others struggling with their Yiddishkeit inspires a person to struggle with his own. Seeing people succeed in their struggle encourages and inspires people to believe that they too can succeed. And that's always helpful. And so by divine providence, the Rebbe is saying, if by divine providence you find yourself in a position where you know more than the people around you and therefore can teach them, that is an indication that your self-improvement might very well come through the channel, through the, uh, the means of teaching others. 
Secondly, the Rebbe says, or thirdly, the Rebbe says, this feeling of dissatisfaction needs to be understood properly. The writer is saying, I can't teach others because I feel so unsatisfied or dissatisfied with my own knowledge or observance. The Rebbe says this feeling of dissatisfaction should not be discouraging you from teaching, but rather it should be seen as a natural and and necessary dissatisfaction because no amount of observance and study will ever really, really be enough. We should always be growing. We should always be in, increasing. We should always be striving for more, for higher, and so on. And so the, the feeling of dissatisfaction should not cause us to stop teaching others, but rather to try harder to grow ourselves. And since we are promised, we are assured that every effort, every attempt to improve ourselves will be successful because we are helped from above. If I want to get closer to God because God wants me closer, certainly God will help me get closer when I am making a sincere effort. And here the Rebbe turns the argument back and and says, since God is helping you improve yourself, since your dissatisfaction is an attempt to become better, and God is helping you to succeed in becoming better, and sends you students, and sends you people who need to hear from you, who need to learn from you, then doesn't that tell you that the way for you to become better, to improve yourself, is by helping others and by improving others? Here's a letter written to a professor in New York, 1972. The letter reads as follows. I, of course, recall our correspondence and meeting some years ago. Indeed, building on that, I take this opportunity of adding a few personal thoughts, which I'm confident you will not take amiss. To begin with, since everything is by Hashgacha Pratis, by divine specific plan, and your letter reached me on the day when the enclosed English translation of a brochure on love of fellow Jew came from the bindery, I thought it appropriate to send it to you. To quote the familiar Mishnah, Why was Adam created alone? It is to teach us that anyone who saves a life is as if he had saved the whole world because there was a time when there was only one person in the world. Like all teachings of our Torah, Torah's Chaim, a lesson in life, because the word Torah comes from the same word as Hora, which means instruction or lesson, its purpose is a practical one, since the essential thing is the deed. It also has a bearing on the subject of your letter. For it teaches us that matters which at first glance seem to concern only a single individual should be handled with the same consideration that would be given to matters of global significance. This is certainly the case where a Jew is concerned, a point which is made in the enclosed brochure, particularly in the light of the well-known rabbinic saying 
that loving your fellow Jew is a cardinal principle in Torah. And especially in the interpretation of it by the Alter Rebbe, founder of Chabad, also mentioned in the brochure. Needless to say, the purpose of these remarks is not homiletic, but practical. In view of your position as professor and chairman of the philosophy department, I have in mind the principle of Behold Rachecha Do'ehu, know God in all your ways, which obligates a Jew to know and make God known in all one's ways, in all that one does, even in those which are secondary or peripheral to him. How much more so in the area which is his principal occupation and interest. So the Rebbe is saying, know God in all your ways means not only in your primary occupation, find godliness not only in your profession, but in all your ways, even secondary or peripheral activities should also have a godly content. Going back to the letter. Just as when the da'ehu concerns the individual himself, he has to strive that the knowing be to the maximal degree. Know God in all your ways for yourself should be at a maximal degree. So when it involves others, as in the case of a professor and his students, the same degree of knowing should be reflected in the students. Indeed, regardless of the subject matter one teaches, there is always a relevance to godliness since ultimately all things are related to the Creator and particularly to the Torah, which as our sages succinctly expressed it, was the blueprint for the entire creation. Indeed, it has been said that all things and events in this world are already found in the Torah. In parentheses, of course, the realm of philosophy is more closely related to knowing God. In light of all that has been said, I feel emboldened to express the confident hope that since you undoubtedly carry out your duties conscientiously, you surely teach your Jewish students to recognize the inner reality of things in keeping with the true concepts of Torah. As for non-Jewish students, there is, of course, the obligation to promote the seven precepts with all their ramifications, given to the descendants of Noah, meaning humanity at large, as codified by Rambam. Rambam says, the seven commandments should be observed because they were given by God in the Torah through Moshe Rabbeinu to be taught to all human beings. And before that, the Rambam writes, Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us in the name of God to see to it that all who live in the world accept the seven Noahide commandments. The above also has a correlation to the subject matter of your letter, which concerns Jew and non-Jew. We must all recognize that any tonu yedeya adma, we don't really know what the bigger picture is. And to quote the Megillah, which we read just a few days ago, 
ומי יודע אם לאיס כזה היגעת למלכוס. מרדכי says to Esther, go to the king, even though it might cost you your life, because who knows, maybe this is the whole purpose for which you reached royalty, attained royalty. Where Malchus, according to Rashi, means Gedula. Any prominent position can be called Malchus. And so I will not dwell on the matter further. Indeed, I should have admitted most of the above had I not been certain that you wield considerable influence over hundreds of students directly and indirectly, affecting even their personal lives, and are able to guide them to a life of Torah and mitzvahs. Here again, we see the emphasis, the strong demand to take responsibility for the Yiddishkeit, for the Jewish content of the lives of fellow Jews, and even more, to take responsibility for the moral content also of non-Jewish students concerning the seven Noahide laws. The wording is quite strong in this letter. But what we see here is the responsibility to our fellow Jew basically has two elements to it. Number one is, of course, love of a fellow Jew. And out of that love, we should be concerned for their true well-being. And the well-being of a Jew is dependent on the degree of Jewishness or the degree of Jewish content in their lives, in their daily lives. And so out of love for a fellow Jew, we should miss no opportunity to increase their awareness and their appreciation of Jewish life. And secondly, there is the divine providence. You might say that the first is a general principle, the second is a little more specific and individual. The general principle is every Jew must love every other Jew. The divine providence is a little more individual because it's saying that the reason you are in the position you are in, not just as a general obligation on every Jew and any Jew, but because you are in this position, and not everyone is in this position, like in this case, the professor of uh, the philosophy department, in a New York university, that divine plan that put you there adds a specific individual obligation to help a fellow Jew and to help all people elevate themselves in matters of godliness and morality. Here the Rebbe is saying to the professor, I have in mind the principle of Bechol Drachecha Do'ehu. To know and make God known in all ways, in all of one's activities. The Rebbe is saying that being a professor of a philosophy department in a university is this particular person's way. That's his way in life. He's the professor. He is the philosopher. He is the teacher. We are obligated to make God known, to come to know God, in all your ways. Which means when a person is not davening, when it's not Yom Tov, when it's not Shabbos, 
when a person is not sitting in yeshiva and studying, but he is pursuing his way in life, his way, the human way, the non-mitzvah activity. The commandment is that in all your ways, when we are doing the things we do because we are humans, human activity, in all of those ways, we need to come to know God. Which means that the reason that we are created with human needs, the reason we have these needs, the reason life works the way it works, a person has to find a job, a person has to find a profession, a person has talents that need to be expressed, and so on. All of these things, although they are not directly divine activities, but they are created by God, and they are all part of the vast eternal plan, and therefore in these ways too we must come to know God. To use all of these activities as a means, as a way of growing in our Yiddishkeit, in our godliness. And so the Rebbe is saying that the fact that you are a professor makes that your way, and in your way you have to find the means of knowing and making God known through your profession, through your, your activities. How does a professor of philosophy find godliness in his profession? Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. As the Rebbe writes in the parentheses, of course, the realm of philosophy is more closely related to knowing God. Even subjects more secular, even subjects more physical, more material, should be used as a way, a means of coming to know God. Certainly, the, uh, the subject of philosophy. So the Rebbe is saying that the philosophy that the professor teaches should not be neutral, morally neutral, or spiritually neutral, but that the philosophy teachings should be used to inspire and to inform and to guide the increased morality and increased godliness of both Jewish and non-Jewish students. To make it easier, the Rebbe adds another insight. The Rebbe quotes Rambam. Not a list of commandments concerning the seven commandments, the seven Noahide laws. The Rebbe doesn't quote the Rambam in enumerating these seven commandments. Rather, the Rebbe quotes Rambam as saying that the reason a person should perform and observe these seven Noahide laws is not because they make sense, not because they are socially stabilizing and, and helpful for civilized societies, not because they are inspiring and noble, but because God in Torah, through Moshe, commanded all human beings to do so. And that this is part of our obligation as Jews, it is part of our obligation to see to it that the world does live by these seven Noahide laws. So the Rebbe is saying as follows. It is a professor's obligation to use his profession 
to use his means of livelihood not only to support himself and his family, not only to pursue his interest in philosophy and use his talents in that area, but also to find godliness and to increase godliness through the profession. Now, when the Rebbe mentions the seven Noahide laws, the Rebbe wants to emphasize that in the performance and the observance of these seven Noahide laws, there is also a divine element, not just social consideration, not just social justice, not just a better way for society to function. The seven Noahide laws, as basic as they are, not worshipping idols, not killing, not stealing, not being cruel to animals, having courts of law, and so on. As basic as they may seem, as human as they may seem, must contain a divine element, and that is, we must perform these mitzvahs, these commandments, because they are divine instruction, not because they're good ideas. And so Rambam says, the righteous Gentile is not only one who lives by the seven commandments, but one who does so because God commanded it and not for any other reasons. It seems that in the letter the professor had written to the Rebbe, he asks also about the connection or the concerns that affect both Jew and non-Jew. I'm not sure exactly what the question was, whether it's about teaching Jewish subjects when your class is not all Jewish or teaching uh, non-Jewish beliefs to a class where there are Jews in the class. Whatever the question was, it seems that the professor could not bring together, could not find a theme, a theme that would be equally relevant and meaningful to both the Jewish and non-Jewish students in his class. And so the Rebbe says, the above also has a correlation with the subject matter of your letter which concerns both Jew and non-Jew. In other words, by what the Rebbe is saying, he has presented the professor with an approach, with a subject, with material that is equally urgent and relevant to Jew and non-Jew. The Rebbe then concludes by saying, we don't know the divine plan. We can't see the bigger picture. But isn't it possible that the reason you became a professor is not just because you had decided, not only because you had an aptitude for it, not only because it presented itself to you, but you became the professor, you attained royalty, you attained this prominence specifically for this moment, meaning specifically to help these students over whom you have influence to find their way to godliness. That could be the true reason, the only reason for your being a professor. In other words, in the bigger picture, in the divine plan, why does God need professors in his world? Why does God need philosophy in his world? Why does he need you to be a philosophy professor in this particular school with these particular students? Because these students need to hear from you. Because these students need to learn from you how to fulfill their mission, how to bring to fulfillment 
the part of the divine plan that depends on them. And the part of the divine plan that depends on you is to enable them and to teach them so that all of us together will be fulfilling the purpose for which we were created, which completes the larger picture, the vast eternal plan.